message from Trinity Grace Church in San Antonio, Texas. For more information, please visit trinitygracesa.org. Welcome once again to Trinity Grace. My name is Michael, and I'm the pastor here at Trinity Grace. This is Ben. Uh, he is our assistant pastor. And this past week, some of you will know that I've been engaged in a doctor of ministry program uh, focused on ministry leadership. And this past week, I was there. Uh, for uh, a week of classes. And so because I was engaged in classes Monday to Friday, eight to five, I didn't have an opportunity to prepare a sermon. I had the privilege uh, to be there engaged uh, with other things. And so Ben, uh, the other pastor here, is going to be closing out um, our series on the fruit of the Spirit. So thank you, Ben. Uh, And it was uh, a little close call because you might know (laughs) that Elisa, his wife, is due on Tuesday. Um, But I was like, if you got to call me, you know, just let me know. But he's here, so thank you. <laughs> yes, we are here. And we hope to uh, make it through this morning and not have a baby. Um, our doctor's out of town, so we're hoping for Tuesday. So um, be praying as we have our um, time together this morning. But as Michael said, over the semester, we've been going through the book of Galatians. And we are, the last several weeks, we've kind of slowed down and kind of taking a closer look at the list that Paul gives of the Christian virtues known as the fruit of the Spirit. And today we're, we're finishing that series and we're talking about self-control. Now we've probably all told someone or been told ourselves, hey, you need to exercise self-control. And this morning we're going to look at what does that look like. For many of us, when we think of self-control or exercising self-control, we We think about just saying no. You might be thinking, I I want a second piece of pie after dinner. You go, no, just just say no. I want to tell that person that made me mad how I really feel. No, just say no. Or maybe if you're a student, it's I really want to cheat on this exam because my grades really need to improve. No, no, just, just say no, we, we approach self-control as though it's just simply a matter of the will or else willpower equals self-control. And there is some merit to viewing self-control in this way. We do need to say no. Part of self-control is saying no to something, saying no to a desire. Um, the Greek philosopher Aristotle actually wrote a great deal about the the wonderful virtue of self-control. And he talks about self-control as powerful passions under control. And we would agree with this. We need to have our passions, our desires under control. Um, But Aristotle missed something when it comes to self-control that we need to touch on because Aristotle missed the aspect that our desires, humanity's desires, the desires of our heart are rooted in our sin and we can't control them on our own. So when we talk about the self-control as a fruit of the spirit, we need to keep that in mind that we're fighting against our sinful nature and we can't do it alone. This morning, we're going to look at um, one aspect that we need to really understand in order to get the full understanding of what the biblical Biblical self-control is all about. And when we understand this, this will help us cultivate self-control in our lives. And the late Dr. Tim Keller said, self-control is not a matter of the will, 
but a matter of the heart. As we look at self-control as a matter of the heart, we will see that we can have self-control when we, have, when we seek to do wrong to others and also when wrong has been done to us. This morning, we're going to spend our time in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 23 through 27. And you can follow along in your Bibles or it is printed in your bulletin as I read our passage this morning. Paul writes, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. One of my family's favorite vacation spots growing up was the town of Terlingua, Texas. Some of you have, may have heard of Terlingua. Some of you go, I have no idea what you're talking about. Terlingua is a ghost town out in the middle of the desert, west of Big Bend National Park. And when I say that this was our family's favorite spot, I mean it. My grandfather, my uncles, my father all bought property out there. My parents went there on their honeymoon And we grew up doing family reunions and yearly trips out there, what seemed like every early spring, late summer. And I remember one one week we went out there, we were camping, hanging out at the property, doing hikes. We went into the national park. I was about eight or nine years old and we drove up to the Chisos Mountains. And we did a hike that my dad had selected called the Lost Mine Trail. The Lost Mine Trail is a five mile trail And it switchbacks up the whole way. I remember thinking that it was the worst thing ever. It was hot. I had to carry my own water. We just kept marching up. I was complaining the whole time. I kept asking to turn around and go back to our campsite because we had a pool. I didn't want to be hiking in the desert. And I remember asking my dad, hey, how much further? And my dad would, we're almost there. Every time I would ask, we're almost there. And every time I heard the words, we're almost there, I wanted to scream. (laughs) I hated it. I hated that I had to push myself and keep going when my body was tired and sore and I was exhausted. And this is often how exercising self-control feels. If we're honest with ourselves, we hate it. It's hard work. We have to push ourselves. We're tired. People get on our nerves. Circumstances get on our nerves. And it's a battle to practice self-control. It's difficult. It's hard. It's much easier in the immediate to just give into those desires. Telling that person off will make us feel better. But in the long run, that's not what we're called to do. My heart was in the wrong place. Here in 1 Corinthians, Paul employs one of his favorite analogies, the athlete. He's writing to 
a church in the ancient city of Corinth. And the city of Corinth held the Ithmian Games every two years. And this was a competition for wrestling, racing, and boxing, all to honor the Greek god Poseidon. So Paul knows that every two years, these athletes from all over Greece descend on the city of Corinth. So when he uses this analogy, he is very aware that the people in Corinth understand what athletes do when they engage in training. Paul in verse 25, he says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Athletes go through vigorous training and discipline in order to achieve their goals. Paul mentions the reason for this is they're, they're competing for a prize. Now, we all know that an athlete, while in the midst of training, and some of you might be or have trained to run a half marathon or a marathon, you know that you have to cut things out of your diet. You have to make sacrifices. But you also know that in the midst of your training, that desire for cake and ice cream is still there. As an athlete, the desire for unhealthy foods that destroy your progress in your training don't just disappear. It's not like you magically only want to eat broccoli when you're an athlete. The issue is, for an athlete, he must make the choice. Which is more important? The prize or the cake and ice cream? As Christians, we're we're like athletes in a sense. When we become Christians, it's not like we go through and all of a sudden our sinful desires and just miraculously disappear. No, we're faced with a choice. The choice to indulge those sinful desires or to practice self-control and live as Christ has called us to do. Now, this is easier said than done. It is so easy for us to just fall into the just say no mindset. I can do it on my own. But this solution is like trying to stop a broken pipe with a Band-Aid. To practice self-control we have to refocus our hearts. So over the next several minutes, we'll talk about how refocusing our hearts leads to self-control when we are seeking to do wrong to others and when we have been wronged ourselves. So how does self-control as a matter of the heart apply when we seek to do wrong? Well, we all know that we have sinful desires to control. These are, are, there's classic addictions like drinking, drugs, spending and gambling, overeating, undereating. But there are a lot of other things that we need to practice self-control in as well. We have trouble controlling our tongues, our thoughts, our time. We all have these devices that we carry around in our pocket where we fall into just spending hours and hours just scrolling through the abyss of the internet. That takes self-control to say no. And we also have the need to control our emotions. And I want to camp out on self-control and our emotions for a minute. In 2019, a survey was conducted by um, NPR, and they found that 84% of the people who participated in the survey said that Americans are angrier today than compared to a generation ago. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I feel this way. I would agree. I would be one of those 84% that would say, yeah, generally, American culture, we are 
angrier today than we were a generation ago. Have you ever lost your temper at someone? Just, just the other day, I made the mistake of trying to go from I-10 West onto 1604 West at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, some of y'all in your hearts are, are laughing at me saying, ha-ha, San Antonio rookie over there made the mistake. And why? Because y'all all know that I was stuck in traffic for a long time. And I'm sitting there in traffic. I'm behind this small car. And you know what this car in front of me does? This car in front of me had the audacity to stop and let someone else merge in in front of them. And I'm sitting there and I can feel the anger welling up inside of me towards this person that I don't know, all because they exercised selflessness and let someone else merge. But my mind is going, I've been sitting here in traffic waiting And this guy just zips up and somebody's just going to let him in? Why did I get so upset? Why did that anger well up within me? Because our sinful desires whisper to our hearts and are constantly telling us that we are the most important. We are number one. And when we buy into that, something as petty as someone was being polite in front of me and let someone else cut in, we blow up in our hearts and get angry. We wrong them in our hearts thinking that they are the worst person in the world because they simply let someone else go before them. So how do we exercise self-control in the midst of our anger when our emotions are running high and getting the best of us? We check our focus. We focus our heart on the gospel. Paul is saying athletes exercise self-control because they're competing for a perishable wreath. But we are competing. We receive an imperishable. So we refocus our hearts. We focus on the end goal, and that's the gospel. When we focus our hearts on the gospel, we are reassured and, and, and told, hey, you're not the most important person in the world. It's not all about you. You are no better or more deserving than anyone else. When we see ourselves as, fallen member, as a fallen member of humanity that needs grace and not the most important person there is, we can take a step back from ourselves and practice self-control. Hey, I'm not the most important person in the world. It's okay if I sit in traffic for a little longer. I should be letting other people into, we can practice self-control when we refocus our hearts away from ourselves into the gospel. What about when someone wrongs us? You know, in that situation, riding and sitting in the car, I wasn't really wronged and I blew up in anger. But how do we respond with self-control when we've actually been wronged? And in verse 23, Paul states, that he does all of this for the sake of the gospel. Again, the key to unlocking self-control is to have our hearts focused on the gospel. One of the Bible's best summaries of the gospel says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one may even dare die. But God shows his love to us 
in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. A key aspect in understanding the gospel is knowing and embracing the truth of the fact that we were weak, ungodly sinners before Christ. We didn't get ourselves together before Christ died. Christ died for us when we were weak, ungodly sinners. Christ loved his enemies. He even cried out from the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. When we are tempted to repay evil for evil towards those who have wronged us, we need to focus our hearts on the gospel. It's so easy for us when we're wronged to lash out and want to hurt them back, to want to say something nasty about the person that hurt us. How do we exercise self-control? On April 15th, 1947, something happened that would change America's pastime forever. The Brooklyn Dodgers took the field against the Boston Braves, and a young man marched out to first base, and his name was Jackie Robinson. This is the moment that Major League Baseball integrated. He was the first African-American player to make it to Major League Baseball. And this was a glorious moment for the sport of baseball, although at this time, a lot of people did not see it that way. Jackie Robinson had crossed the color line of baseball, but his Major League career was far from easy. Jackie was met with death threats, racial slurs and derogatory comments at every game from, from fans, players, coaches, even his own teammates and coaches. On numerous occasions, Jackie had to stay at a different hotel than the rest of his team because the Brooklyn Dodgers only stayed in white-only hotels. Despite such hate, Jackie never got into fights with other players, fans, or coaches. He showed tremendous self-control in the midst of a lot of horrible things happening to him. Years later, after he retired from baseball, he was asked in an interview, how were you able to show such self-control with all the hate that was being thrown in your face towards you? And his response was this. He says, I, kept, I just kept my focus on playing the game of baseball. I was there to play baseball to the best of my ability, I just kept my mind on the game. So my question is, when you're hurt by someone, where is your focus? If I'm honest, my temptation is to hurt people back. I think the typical human response is to get even or worse. We either want to repay it exactly as it was, or we want to do more evil to them. We want to hurt them more than they hurt us. I think this is why God tells his people in the Old Testament, vengeance is mine, because God knows that that's our desire. When we're hurt, we want to attack. We're so prone to dish out equal evil or greater when those have wronged us. So cultivating the fruit of, the, the, the fruit of self-control in times of pain and suffering at the hands of others, again, takes a refocusing of our heart. Jackie was able to put all of those things aside because his focus was on the game of baseball. His goal was to play baseball, and that's what he was focused on. 
we need to be focused on Christ. Christ was, we betrayed Christ with our sin and Christ repaid us with love. We're called to do the same thing. It's very easy to lose sight of what we're called to do when we're focused on self. So we have to refocus our heart. After several hours of what felt to me like the Bataan Death March, we finally made it to the top of the Lost Mine Trail. We made it to the top at an elevation of 7,500 feet. And I remember getting up there and you could stand there and you could do a 360 degree view all around you and you just look out at the desert floor below, you see the colors. And one of the greatest things about this was at that altitude, there was a cool breeze. So all that hot heat, all the hard work of going up the mountain, I was blown away when we got to the top and my attitude changed. Now, fast forward two years. I said my family comes here a lot. So we came back two years ago, two years after this, and we brought our friends with us. And we did this same hike, the same five miles, the same uphill climb, the same hot sun. My body was still getting tired and sore, but my attitude was different. I wasn't complaining and begging to turn around and go back. I wasn't shooting daggers at the back of my dad's head for making me continue on this march. Why? Because this time I knew what was at the end. My mind, my heart was focused at what's at the end of this hike. Was I still tempted to get impatient in the hot heat of the desert? Yeah. Was I still tempted to have a bad attitude because I was tired and my legs were sore? Absolutely. But having my heart focused on what I knew was waiting at the top, I could press on without giving in to my temptations of impatience and anger. I could practice self-control because I wasn't thinking about me and what my, my circumstances were in that moment. I was thinking, what's to come? There's a reason Paul put self-control as the last fruit of the Spirit. When we focus on love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and gentleness, which are all fruits of the Spirit that directly correspond and correlate to characteristics of God, we, exercise, we can exercise self-control. When our focus is on Christ, we can have self-control. We lose control when we focus on self rather than Christ. So how can we refocus our hearts away from being self-centered and focusing on Christ? We look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and who's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We must remember that true self-control is not about bringing ourselves under our own control, but under the power of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are a God who is patient with us when we so easily fall into the temptations and desires of our sinful hearts. Lord, we pray that we will refocus our hearts on you, 
We pray that our focus will be on not this world, but on the joy and the hope that we have with you in heaven for eternity. We pray that we will live self-control lives, that we would die to self, that we may better serve you and those around us. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.